Good morning, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Equip podcast. And this morning, we're going to talk a little bit more about Augustine and his theology. Now, this is a huge area to try and tap into, and so we're just going to pick one thing, and in a sense, it's the most important thing about his theology. Augustine is sometimes called the Doctor of Grace, and that's because his understanding, and not just understanding, but experience of grace, has been absolutely foundational for the church. And so I want to talk a little bit about Augustine's theology of grace, particularly in contrast to another famous figure around the time that he was alive. Uh, That figure's name is Pelagius. He was a monk of British origin who noticed the moral laxity in the church. He looked around and one thing he said was, if it pleases you to be a Christian, then perform the works of Christ and adopt the name of Christian deservedly. Or perhaps you do not wish to be a Christian, but just to be called one. Ouch. (laughs) And it's not a bad quote, really. Probably it could be said of today's church as well. However, one thing that Pelagius did wrong was as he began to try and resolve this moral laxity in the church theologically, it led him into the dangerous waters of heresy. So I want to talk to you about Augustine's theology and Pelagius' theology in three areas. Sin, grace, and life. How does God's saving grace interact in these three areas? So first for Augustine, in terms of sin, he affirmed that we are born sinful. We're not born as good people. We're not born even as morally neutral people. We are born in sin. And that is because we are included in Adam and Eve's original sin. The fall has affected all of us. So that, in a sense, we are born in Adam. He's our representative. And so every single human life is born under the curse of sin that belongs to the head of the human race, Adam. We're included in the guilt of his sin and the corruption of his fall. So to the question, do we sin because we're sinners or are we sinners because we sin? Which comes first? Is it the choice or the identity Augustine said, well, it's the identity that comes first. We sin because we are born sinners. We're born sinful. And out of our natural corruptness, we choose to sin. Um, What this also means is that we are not truly free in terms of our will. Now, that's not to say that we don't make real choices. It's just that our real voluntary choices are incapacitated by our corrupt sinful nature. And so everything we do is tainted by sin, and in fact, we don't truly have the choice to choose that which is actually good. We sort of have this bent towards choosing that which is evil. Augustine used an illustration of balance scales. If you imagine good on the one side and evil on the other, a fully sort of neutral person would be able to weigh up the good and weigh up the evil and choose the one they think is actually best. However, In our state of sin, we sort of have like all these weights on the evil side of the scale. And so we always sort of have this bend towards choosing the evil. It's weighted or biased towards that side. And that's because of original sin. On the other hand, for Pelagius, 
he believed that we aren't born sinful, we're actually born perhaps neutral, or maybe even morally good. And that's because we're not included in Adam and Eve's original sin. We're not born guilty. We're not born corrupt. We actually just stand on our own two feet. From his perspective, to think otherwise would actually be unjust. After all, we're only responsible for our own actions. And that means we're only sinners because we sin. We're not born sinful. We make choices by our own completely free will. It's unconstrained. And if we use our will to sin, then we are held culpable. Two very different views of sin. And what that leads to is two different views of grace. For Augustine, he noted that since we are so helpless in our state of sin, we can't choose not to sin, basically, we need God to intervene by his grace. There's nothing we can do to address the problem of our sin ourselves since we're steeped in it from birth. And so he graciously sends his son to die for the forgiveness of our sin. And that forgiveness is given to us purely as a gift. Now here, what Augustine is saying here, God's grace is a generous gift. It's not something we earn or deserve. And it's actually exactly what we need. We need this gift of grace because we can't do anything ourselves to solve this problem of sin. Now also, since God's grace is just what we need, he gives it powerfully. Ultimately, when he chooses to pour out his saving grace on someone, that grace is ultimately irresistible. That is to say, when God chooses to save someone by grace, it happens. And their will is freed from the trappings of sin to now choose God. They wouldn't have been able to choose him on their own because they were steeped in sin. But when God's saving grace comes and opens their heart and opens their mind and opens their eyes, his grace irresistibly draws them to himself. Now, that was certainly Augustine's personal experience. If you remember back to his story that we looked at last week, the way he put it himself was that your grace defeated me. Now, on the other hand, Pelagius looked at God's grace and said, yes, God forgives our sin through the work of Christ. But the basis of that forgiveness is actually our sincere repentance. And that repentance must involve good works. Why did Jesus die? Well, yes, to bring forgiveness. But imagine we're sort of blocked from that forgiveness, as it were, if we fail to do good works from a repentant heart. Now, another and perhaps more significant thing behind Pelagius' theology of grace is that God sort of sets up the conditions for us to do those good works. That's the main thing about his grace. He gives us a mind to think. He gives us hands to work. And then we choose to use that mind and those hands to sin or not. That's the decisive thing. It's what we do with sort of the situation that he's set up for us. Um, and into that, Jesus is less a saviour and more an example. So God sent his son graciously to show us the kind of life we ought to live, a life of following his commands. Again, think Augustine, think Pelagius, two very different views of grace that emerge from two very different views of sin. How does that play out in life? Well, just briefly, for Augustine, he said that since God's grace has come and freed us from sin, then we can learn now to obey God. And 
obedience is not something we just do ourselves. Even that is an outworking of God's grace. Because what God commands, he himself enables. We only ever obey in the ways that he has graciously empowered us to do. So when God commands something, we can expect that he will give us the ability to obey it. However, this doesn't mean we should expect to live a sinless life. He clearly taught that we'll still struggle against the power and pollution of sin, as Augustine himself still did in some areas. But when we sin, we should confess our sin to God in sorrow, know his forgiveness, sincerely repent, and then find that God replaces our guilt with gratitude. And he lifts us up so that we can serve him again with renewed vigor. On the other hand, um, Pelagius figured that God will only command us to do something if he believes we can actually do it by ourselves. What that means is that it's actually possible to live a sinless life. We're not so tainted by original sin that we can't go forward in obedience if we so choose. Now, ultimately, he believed that teaching this very strong position on man's ability on his own and on our total, uh, full capacity, free will, would actually give the best motivation for holiness. That is, if we're born sinners and can't freely choose the good, as Augustine claims, then why bother doing anything good? And if God freely forgives without any requirement of works, as Augustine teaches, then what incentive is there to do good works? And if we have to rely on the power of God to transform us, as Augustine teaches, then what place does my effort have? I may as well just be lazy and wait for God to do stuff. And those three objections to Augustine's view of sin, grace, and life form the, the basis of Pelagius' call to holiness. Now, as we saw in class on Sunday, there's quite a bit that's wrong with Pelagius' view. And I've included a short video that you can watch on the website resources that goes through a few scriptures uh, that I think show where, where uh, Pelagius sort of stuff things up. But here's a few, and um, these really come back to the concept of original sin, first of all. I think if you determine that we are in fact steeped in sin from birth, then the rest of Pelagius' views all sort of fall apart. And the best place to go for that is Romans 5, verse 12 to 19. If you have it in your Bibles there, you might want to pause and just open it up. Uh, but it says that sin came into the world through one man, that is Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Now that's not picturing that each and every one of us has sinned, and so that's, that's what made death spread. It's that one man sinned, Adam, um, by extension Eve, uh, and so death spread to all of us and we are considered all as sinners. Um, there's a contrast as the passage goes through to verse 19, where there's the one man who sinned, Adam, but then there's the one man who represents us in righteousness, and that is Jesus. And so we're no longer in Adam, we're in Christ if we have faith in him and no longer under the curse of sin. Um, we get other statements in here like that death reigned from Adam to Moses. So uh, we, we sort of have this death applied to us because of Adam, not ultimately because of something we've done. Um, the free gift is not like the trespass. If many died through one man's trespass, there it is once again. Adam's sin means I died and you died. Um, and uh, 
Verse 17, if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, etc., etc. Uh, therefore, verse 18, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. That's the act of Jesus. And verse 19, for as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, Jesus' obedience, the many will be made righteous. Really astoundingly clear in this passage that through the sin of Adam, we are considered sinners. We are considered condemned. Now that really supports Augustine's conclusion rather than Pelagius and shows the kind of grace that we need from God. It can't be a grace based on our works and it can't be a grace that appeals to a free will response. We are steeped in sin from birth. And as Romans 8 verse 7 to 8 puts it, we cannot choose God apart from his gracious intervention. A couple of other scriptures that Augustine appealed to in support of this. One was John 15 verse 5, where Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. And here's the key part to Augustine. For apart from me, you can do nothing. He's saying we can't choose God on our own. 2 Corinthians 3, 6, just the beginning of it's relevant. We are not sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. And later on, uh, Martin Luther read that verse and it encouraged him um, as he challenged the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, he noted how Augustine used it and went, ah, oh, yeah, of course, this is why the Roman Catholic Church has got it all wrong. Uh, we can't have any sort of grace based on works. Uh, it needs to be entirely a gift of God. Just to conclude, where Augustine left this was, uh, I think, in a, a quote that sum, sums up his whole theology really well, where he says, works proceed from faith and not faith from works. Therefore, it is from him, from God, that we have works of righteousness, from whom comes also faith itself. Where do our good works come from? From faith. Where does faith come from? From God himself. Faith itself is a gift of God. It's an outworking of his irresistible grace. If it was any other way, says Augustine, then none of us would be saved. We would only ever keep choosing sin and evil, and we would never choose Jesus. And I agree with him. I wonder what you think about all that. Uh, love to uh, close off our discussion in a couple of weeks uh, just by discussing that question. Where do you sit with Augustine's theology of grace? I'd love for you to ponder it over the next couple of weeks. Um, I'm also going to release a, another short podcast. It'll be about 15 minutes. Uh, it's going to be a video, which you'll find on the website resources. And I'll also include it as a separate little page so that it updates on Spotify and Apple Music and all that too, in case you prefer to listen. And um, what that podcast is going to explore is uh, whether Pelagianism is still a risk for us today because Pelagius was condemned as a heretic. Uh, but is this thing still kicking around in today's church? And I'm going to make the claim that, yeah, in some way it is. Uh, and so it'd be worth thinking through that together and, and keeping an eye out for it. If you're interested in that, then you can take a look at the podcast. See you guys soon.